0: Hey gang, welcome to episode 188 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from... No Pro Studio in Los Angeles. I'm still not used to saying that yet, because our headquarters is uh, also in Los Angeles, but somewhere else in Los Angeles, than where we record the show. And I am particular about such things, even though no one cares. Let's not start the show this way. Oh man, why is someone texting me? I'm busy, babe. Okay, three, two, one. Hey, gang, welcome to episode 188 of the No Presidium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro Studio in Los Angeles, aka my kitchen table. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. More on that in a moment. There's a smile in my voice. More on that in a moment. Uh, This episode episode here number 188 uh this one is going to be the first of uh, a couple of episodes maybe even three kind of depending on how we we shuffle some stuff around uh coming out of the recent immersive design summit uh that was just a week ago oh wait two Oh um, wait no It was two weeks ago. I have no sense of time anymore. Like, everything is just extreme right now. So two weeks ago was the Immersive Design Summit. Holy moly, Nelson. Uh, A fortnight ago. No, not that fortnight. You know, the fortnight fortnight. Um, Was the Immersive Design Summit. And while uh, I was running around making it go and Catherine was running around, Uh, uh, doing the social media and taking notes and producing that wonderful uh, Hypotheses article that uh, I know all of you read. (laughs) I know all of you read it. Uh, But if you're the one person who didn't, go on the site, go read it. Seven Hypotheses uh, coming out of the summit. Um, We had KJ Neese and Michaela Holland running around with the recorder, the recorder that our Patreon backers bought, by the way. So the equipment bought by the fans of the show. Dead serious. This is how we do this. Uh, And they talk to a whole bunch of people. We're going to give you two of those interviews right now. Uh, Two interviews. First is going to be uh, Free Forge and Dam of Myco2, who was one of the very first people that we asked to talk at the summit. And that's going to be KJ and Michaela interviewing Free. And then KJ sits down with Jenny Cook of Dreamscape Immersive, who was another one of the first people that we asked to talk at the summit this year. So we're, we're starting from from my point of view at the beginning. Um, there's some more episodes, uh, interviews in the can, including an interview with the folks from Strange Bird Immersive. Uh, there's an interview that we got to clear for, by WDI if we want to use it. So we're going to do that. I'm not going to bring it up other than that. So like I said, the episodes may come out um, there, there might be something bonus later on I don't know it could be two could be three could be all in a row we could take a break uh, the future is hazy at the moment in terms of what the order is I just know that We kind of need these episodes just to catch up, uh, because I have no idea what day it is other than uh, tomorrow's the day I start moving my mom. Uh, And uh, yeah, it's just apparently it's Friday. Apparently Captain Marvel came out. Uh, That's great. I guess I'll catch it at some point. I want to. I just don't have the time. Um, What else is there for you to know about? Um, The Patreon. Yes. Yes we've got some happy news about the Patreon. So for a long time, we were like hovering like just below 1250. And it was starting to kind of drive me insane because I was like, we're never gonna crack through. Uh, Right now, I'm very happy to report that, you know, in the last episode, we were at 1246 and we had 218 backers. Uh, Right now, as of right now, we've got 224 backers and we've jumped up to 1278 a month. Um, This is fantastic. Uh, It is still far short of, you know, us being fully sustained by the community alone, um, which would give us more time. And for those of you who are like, Noah's so irritable, or he's never reachable, or why is he so busy? It's like, uh, because there's the day job. Um, And I know everyone wants us to be doing this all the time, and we want to be doing it all the time. So again, the Patreon's the way to go. Michael Young and Allison Lewis are the latest two backers. Uh, The math is catching up. Uh, We're really excited. And the sustaining backers of the show, of course, are Jan Budman, Lonnie Handson, Ari Hurstan, Mark Balthazar, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth, and office facilities for No Priscinium are provided by our friends at Thymeli Arts in Hollywood, California, East Hollywood, California, to be technical about it. Um, Sort of one of the epicenters of Immersive Los Angeles, Thymeli is. Which reminds me of something. Another thing I was going to talk to you about in terms of the sheer amount of work, and the thing that I was supposed to talk to you about before I talked to you about the Patreon, which is... We've got so many reviews right now. Uh, Catherine counted up. We we published something like eight reviews this week. That's in five days. So it's a review orama week at NoPro. Um, let's, let's take a look at some of the stuff we got. Um, there's you, out of New York, out of London, out of Los Angeles. We're all over the place. Um, there's... There's a piece by KJ, who you're going to hear in a bit, about Sun Assemblies, Mr. Crow. Uh, we've got Leah with uh, the train-themed passengers uh, show in uh, in New York. We've got Shelley uh, taking a look at the live-action game Bring Them Home. Um, the The team in New York checked out... Uh, the Technopolis 2019 at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. Uh, Kevin wrote about Escape from Godot here in LA, which was one of my favorite pieces of 2018, and it's back here in 2019. And the reason why I thought of Famili is because uh, the latest edition of the Kansas Collection is at Famili right now, chapter eight, as we move towards the end of the Kansas Collection, uh, and I put that up today. So just everybody, everybody's up on here doing all the work. um, Which is so fantastic and exciting. All right. Um, We are exceptionally busy. Here's how it's going to go. First, you're going to hear the interview with Free. Then we're going to take a beat. And then we're going to hear the interview with Jenny. And then I'll be back. Actually, I'll be back in between. But just so you know, that's how it's going to go. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one. (laughs)
1: Here, my name is KJ Nice.
2: Michaela Holland. And we
1: are here with Free. You know, honestly, what is your last name? I've I, 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 I just known you as Free this entire time. And
3: that's what you should you be <laughs> like Beyonce, right? One name. Mm, um, Free Dam. Free Dam. Yes. Of MyCo2. Of MyCo2. Which
1: you guys do. Actually, you know, just for listeners at home, why don't you just give us a quick rundown of the all the goodies about MyCo2. Oh, the
3: goodies and the not-so-goodies, maybe? Yeah. Just to spice things up? Yeah. Um, MyCo2, we are about seven years old. We are an entertainment development company. Uh, we're based out of Los Angeles, or so rather, Pasadena and we have uh, offices in Barcelona we work on immersive experiences of different scales worldwide so theme parks that we've opened live events uh, seasonal attractions brand activations museums exhibits fun in a box or without a box that's kind of our motto Um, and we just love helping passionate people achieve
1: it's fantastic yeah so now, I think my, my first question is, you guys, I mean, the biggest story this year is you guys and your involvement in Westworld. And, of course, you guys do so much more than that. So um, much more- yeah, so much more than that. Because could, could you talk about like how like the things that you've learned doing theme parks and how you guys applied those same storytelling te- techniques to something like Westworld and marketing
3: activations? That's actually a really good question, and it's funny that you say this year because I'm thinking, wait, we're 2019, and so it's not this year, but it feels like yesterday. I mean, right? it was
1: literally a year ago, uh, yeah. like like next month, which yeah. is crazy. It's
3: insane. Yeah, and this ne- coming up is going to be even awesome, but things that we've learned or things that we do that informs how we're learning, you yeah. know, because I think every day is a, is a process or a new beginning. Um, we're all theater people. The owners, there's four owners of the company, myself included, and we all come from the stage, either as performers or as stage managers, but the stage must, the show must go on has always been our sort of uh, DNA ethos and we have always kept that if anything in all the projects that we work on we always start with the story the text the script the vision um and we stay true to that and because we come from a stage mentality it's about creative problem solving it's about guerrilla style theater where no one has just one job we're all utility players and it's a sort of ensemble approach to everything and we always look at every project or every new Um, collaboration from what's the why, you know, what is really the reason that we're doing this and how do we translate that into an experience that has a look and a feel and technology or or whatever overlay that makes it come to life and whenever things have to scale up or down depending on budget or whatever uh, is it, things that are out of our control we always come back to is this meeting and serving that why and then let's use our theater hats to make it work right mm-hmm. sometimes it's not always about the flashy um, sort of technology it's about just classic good old fashioned theater stage magic tricks right and how to pre- create illusion and how to be how to do sort of um value engineering on things so that we're still maintaining the essence of what needs to be conveyed without necessarily putting hundreds of millions of dollars into it if that's the you know the challenge that we're dealing with so you know how, how what we've learned from working on all these projects whether it's westworld that we did at um south by southwest in 2018 or some of the theme parks that we've opened that are branded like Motiongate in and Bollywood Parks in Dubai is that it doesn't matter how big or how small The if you know what your story is and if you stay true to your why that's the barometer that will help you navigate uh, you know staff changes budget changes corporation changes whatever you know even market changes and by market meaning is this going to have the same response in this country versus another area um all those things are out of your control but if you always stay true that barometer the how and the what has to do with the design and the technology and quite honestly the staff and the people that you bring on board that share the same passion for this subject depending on what it is and if those things are consistent it doesn't matter how big or small the project is, it's will be successful. And I think that's the biggest learning that I've found. It's not about budget, it's about heart and and the spirit behind how you're trying to achieve that.
1: Yeah. Now now so talking about your talk yesterday, so, so you guys are storytellers. It sounds like at your essence. You, you guys tell awesome stories no matter what the budget is. You guys always start with story, essentially. But now, you, you touched a little bit on your talk yesterday that's saying that almost business and story and business and narrative are at odds with each other. Yeah. But I feel like myco too operates at the intersection of story and commerce and story and business because you guys, at the end of the day, a lot of your projects answer to brands and yes. answer to a, a bigger paycheck or a higher power, and you guys are forced to live within their parameters. Yes. Could you talk about the process of dealing with these brands and dealing with this commerce and still being true to a good quality narrative?
3: Yes, Um, and that's like the million-dollar question, right? No pun intended. So what I do at Two now, I initially started out in creative direction um, where I would sort of work on a specific project and come up with the story and the look and feel, and then I would work with amazing designers and art directors and technicians to help build that, right? So Bollywood Parks is a good example. I was creative director on that um, for one of the lands in the park. Over time, I've evolved more into the Chief Development Officer, which is really looking at creative as well as strategic relationships and the business and sort of long-term planning. Mm -hmm. And what that has afforded me is to be able to be in conversations with big, high-profile groups really having very different uh, sort of priorities and things that they need to get across. You know, so you have your brands that at the end of the day, it's about making sure that the integrity and the quality of their product, their character, their, you know, ethos is being maintained no matter what. Mm-hmm. And then you have the priority of an investor or a developer or a retail owner or you know, a, a, a new strategic partner that at the end of the day, he or she just wants to make money, yeah. right? They look to these brands and to the content as a way to attract people mm-hmm. and as a way to maybe leverage that attraction from a revenue standpoint and make money off of it. But, they, you know, in a way, they, they're really just about making money. The sweet spot is when you have a brand that holistically works with a developer in terms of... The, the the same audiences that they are trying to attract and the respect that they have for each other. So where we sit is very much like you said at that uh, sometimes awkward intersection. Yeah, we're just making sure that they're at the end of the day show must go on right there's a deadline this thing has to open there's a finite budget i love and people always think that money is no object when it comes to good creative yeah we can do whatever yeah and And we really don't it always comes down to last dollar you'd be surprised how much you stretch just based on what we see and even in massively themed environments um so um so budget time and people right What are the resources and who is the brain trust behind making sure that this is going to be achieved? So who are the right storytellers, writers, designers, technicians, all these different groups that have to really care about the subject to bring it to a level that isn't just going to be the status quo, that are actually going to elevate it in a way that no one single-handedly can do on their own, right? So what we're always having to do is balance the creative with the business. Mm -hmm. And that's reflected in how we staff all of our projects. We always give the producer and the creative director equal um, responsibility. One doesn't uh, trump the other. Um, Now that you always have an executive that if push comes to shove, they're the sort of deal breaker. But it should never get to that point. Because ideally the producer has an understanding and a respect for the creative process. And that it's not just about, well, you get an hour to come up with a great idea, go, right? Mm -hmm. And the creative also has a respect of, I need to come up with an idea that we can actually build and that's gonna work within this budget. So they have to work together. And because that balance is something that we're, we're pretty adamant about, it's reflected in how we work on projects and how we staff projects, but it's also reflected in the sorts of conversations and mediations that we have to have with these different groups, like the brand or the content people as well as the developers or the money people. And sometimes they're both, you know, but it, every project is different and every relationship is different. Yeah.
1: So now,
2: oh, um, free. you and I have talked multiple times and um, I just want to touch upon what you said to me once about the most important role in the company or the most important role in any project is the production assistant. And I think that's a very, I think that's a really important thing that our listeners should hear because I think that there's always this idea that I need to be the creative director, I need to be the producer, I need to be that kind of glamorous role. But really at the end of the day, what comes down to it is every role is integral. So speak to like why you feel the production assistant is the most important part of any project. This is,
3: yeah, it's personal for me. Um, I the, the, I came into this industry as an executive assistant. You know, I was the one who was in the corner. It was completely by accident an accident in the sense of how I got in, not accidental in terms of what I did with it to get to where I am now. But I started out as an executive assistant to two owners of a design company. And what that meant was I sat in the corner. My job was to take notes and to make coffee and answer the phone and to handle people's calendars and essentially make their lives easier. What that also afforded me was to be able to sit in the room and hear a lot of the ideas and problem solving that was happening. On the flip side, I was ignored. You know, I know what it's like when people just see you as the person in the corner that's taking notes and they forget that, hey, you might actually have an opinion that because you're not in the weeds, you can see things a little bit clearer and you can offer an insight or perspective that may not necessarily be the the answer, but can trigger series of thinkings that will then eventually lead to a eureka moment, right? And you have to always listen to that and be present and allow that those opportunities to come in. Now, I think in my growth, I learned to be more confident about speaking up and saying, hey, I see a problem, or have you guys thought about this? And let me throw that idea in there. That was my personal journey. But I don't I don't forget that because I know now where, where I sit in the conversations that I have, it's i'm always looking around the room and saying who's not talking or who doesn't feel like they their voice matters and if that ever presents itself i want to make sure that they say something or that they're given an opportunity to have a voice at the table and then it's not just me i mean our partners or my partners and my co to that's that's how we that's how we feel and we we strongly believe that there's no such thing as bad ideas in our creative sessions when we're coming up with the high level people are invited from different walks of life from different "Quote unquote" ranks, and sometimes the PA, and I I said PA more as a as a uh, a, an example of the role that oftentimes gets overlooked. It could be a PA, it could be the person who's sitting at the front desk. You never know where a great idea or a solution is going to come from. So that PA, who you are ignoring, who is sort of doing all the grunt work and keeping this machine going, you notice them when they're not there. So. That's a big deal, right? When a PA isn't around, you understand what their value because they're not there and all of a sudden all these things that we take for granted aren't getting done. So just as much as we sometimes forget the roles that they bring in making our lives easier, we should also remember that ideas don't just come from the people who are at the table. A lot of times they should be afforded to people who don't get to sit at the table. And actually at this conference, someone said something that I just super connected with, which was, and I'm going to butcher it, but it was something to the effect of, you know, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu just actually verbatim what they said. Yeah. Is that what he yeah, said? Yeah, he and, I, <laughs> and I was just like, yes, that's exactly it. You're on the menu, and that, that can mean a variety of things, right? You're, you're, your voice isn't being heard. You're the one that people are sort of profiting off of. Mm-hmm. Or your idea could have been something that could have helped the situation, but now someone else is, is going to profit off of what could have been your idea. Who knows? It's yeah. so so meta, but it resonated with me. So thank you for reminding me. I, I'd forgotten about that, but it it's i don't know it's it's true to just what i think is important for how we should be working not just creatively but as we expand to with new partners no that's awesome
1: and i think that's actually on that creators going from creators i think that's all we have time for today yeah it, 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 yeah so thank you very much um this has been awesome yeah. um do, do, do you have any closing thoughts for the last like 30 seconds or so oh my god i don't this
3: conference seriously has been fantastic it was my f- first one i know it's the second of uh, in the series but just an amazing thing and I can't I look forward to being part of this and seeing it grow and bringing other voices into it because I think it it can't just be about the people who drink the Kool-Aid it has to be for some people who are lactose intolerant, sugar not intolerant, don't like Kool-Aid gluten-free. at all, <laughs> gluten free <laughs> but like who but who still can benefit from the 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 thinking and the services and quite honestly the environments that we create. And I strongly believe that entertainment and storytelling um, is is revolutionary and can be medicine and should be valued. And this gets very existential, but at the end of the day, the, the more we have other people supporting what we do and what we provide just in terms of from a cultural perspective, the better. And it just allows for us to have longevity as an industry. So I look forward to more of these, and I'm just really excited that I got to
2: come this year. Well,
1: great. Yeah. And, and we're glad to have you.
2: And just as a side to our listeners, like Free, I think, has just... Such an energy and such a light to her. I think, like, every time I see you on the floor talking to people, it is so 100% engaged, 100% all in looking people straight in the eye giving them honest feedback giving them honest thoughts and i think like if we had six more of you in this industry doing the things you're doing and having the conversations you're having in the way you're having them that it would just move us forward so i just i encourage everyone to be a free and if you have a if you have a very very lucky chance to be able to meet her or talk to her don't don't squander your choice, your chances and don't squander your words because the insightful wisdom you always bring into like people's lives are is incredible and we just thank you for being on the show with us right now in this mini podcast series but thank you for also being just like a part of this industry and being the light that we I think definitely need in in a way thank you so much I appreciate it
3: thank you guys
0: For the record, I want to state that I am jealous that KJ and Michaela got to interview Free before I got to interview Free. Free and I have talked in the past. Uh, We've had a couple of really good conversations, like hour-long talks that have not been recorded. (laughs) Which, sometimes you have those and you're like, oh, we should have been recording that. So, uh, someday in the not-too-distant future, we'll get Free back on the show. Um, It's just really... It's it's, eh, I'll I'll leave it at that. I don't want to I don't want to spoil what those conversations uh, have managed to be about. But uh, I'm just so excited that we got to have her talk at the summit and that we can bring more of her to you, all of you, uh, both who were at the summit and those of you who uh, weren't at the summit. Um, this is just this is, makes me happy. Another person I've had a really good conversations with uh, that I also haven't had a chance to interview for the show yet. Is Jenny cook uh, Jenny cook is the head of production at dreamscape immersive they're the folks who do um, They've got the blue They've got alien zoo and they've got the magic projector series So there's these three VR experiences that are these fully embodied VR Experiences on a stage the alien zoo is the one where you get to like pet an alien amongst other things. Um, and just really breaking, breaking that, that barrier between, uh, the physical and the digital. And it's super exciting that we got Jenny to speak and also that the team got to talk to her. And one day we will, uh, We will do that on the show jenny i got to meet uh in the van from the airport in Qingdao to uh, the sandbox immersive festival when sandbox brought me out uh and lo and behold that you know led to everything else that we wound up doing so um we're just slowly but surely this world is being weaved together uh and in all kinds of fun ways and so now without further ado jenny cook interviewed by kj
1: Hey guys, my name is K.J. Neese, and we are coming to you from the Immersive Design Summit 2019 in San Francisco. Um, This is the No Procedium Podcast, and I am here with Jennifer Cook from Dreamscape VR. Uh, So uh, real real quick, just for the listeners back at home, um, could you tell me what Dreamscape is and what kind of stories you guys like to tell?
4: Absolutely. Um, Dreamscape, we are a new LBE VR. So we have our first flagship location at Westfield Century City, and what we have is you go to our, our store and we have three different shows. We have three theaters that are running there and they each have a unique content running in each one so you choose which show you wanna see. And um, we are full body tracking. We have no latency so you go into that show, it's six of you doing it together and you become part of the story. You actually have to be part of the story otherwise it's not nearly as fun if you don't actually take part. So we do full body tracking so you can see your feet, your hands, you can see each other, you're active. We have haptics within the story. We take you through about a 10 to 12 minute story and you, you follow along, you do things, you make the story move ahead, you touch things, you catch things, you pet things. We have wind, uh, buck kickers, smell, spritz, all kinds of things to fully immerse you into the story. We want you to forget the rest of the world and be there.
1: That's fantastic. And I know during your talk that we just had, and it was a fantastic talk, um, but I know during your talk you talked a lot about VR as a bonding mechanism. Um, So, you know, so these are all group experiences, six people at a time. Was that part of the original mission to make these VR as bonding? Because it could be very otherwise a very secluded experience.
4: No, it was actually the exact mission. Our team from Geneva, Art and M, very hard to say, I'll always (laughs) say that, um, They came up with this technology, but what they wanted to do with this technology is find a way to make VR a bonding experience. They wanted to remove the isolation of VR. And so in order to do that, they had to figure out a platform, a technology platform that would allow for six people to see each other and do something together. So that's part of the unique system that we've set up. And we will always write these stories to be multiple players. That's actually a mandate when we're developing a story, not only can you only do it in VR, who are you as a guest, but how do we make you do something together with the other people? And you don't have to know them. You can go in with complete strangers and We have seen complete strangers grab each other and hold arms because they're scared and they don't care. There's an incredible ability of guests and humans to get in there, put a headset on. If you buy into who you are, if we sell you that really well, you you really immerse into that story and you lose in, in inhibitions that you normally would have some social ones so you get a little bit too close to other people and you're okay with that
1: <laughs> so well, yeah, because I feel like it's something about having your own avatar. And, and like, and like you know, more than just having your own character, it's an avatar. And so yeah. it almost doesn't feel like yourself. Yeah. Um, but yet, being able, I think one of the weird thing was, is I did with my girlfriend, and I think one of the weird thing is, being able to just see, like, the physical mannerisms mm-hmm. as you're in this space yeah. is something very bonding. You yeah. know, like, it, there's something very human about it, something you miss out on other yeah. VR experiences. Because, because you do wrist trackers and feet yeah. trackers and head trackers, if someone slouches in a certain way, that comes through on the other side. Yeah. And that's a really cool human thing you guys bring to the table
4: and it's it's only it's only going to get better we're working on um right now our hands are pretty static we're working on getting finger movement we're working on mouth movement we're working on a little bit of the facial Um, avatars are tricky because you have to be stylized and you have to fit into the world and that's one of the one of the trickier parts because we don't want we'll never do real world looks of our environments because your avatar won't look real. And so we need those two to, to mesh up to match up and be consistent. And human avatars are even trickier cuz there's a whole uncanny valley that can happen. And so we really want to be careful of that. That's why we put glasses on your face. Eyes you get so much emotion from humans through their eyes and the movement around their eyes, like the sockets and everything. Your your face expresses beyond what you really understand. So when it doesn't do that, you know that. And we pick that up because we know humans. I love our pieces we have in production right now that I can't tell you about, but they're (laughs) really good. You get to be a cartoon character in one. And so it's really fun because that that freedom. And then everyone, it's so funny, we have to put a mirror on. When you first calibrate and you become your character, your avatar, we have to have a mirror in there that reflects it because people just cannot even pay attention to anything else. They're just dancing, moving themselves around. It's very funny to watch everyone the second they become something else. So we purposely give you about 20 seconds to play so that you can just get settled into who you are.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, I remember that mirror thing being a very effective way of telling these kind of, especially introducing you to your new body, because your brain, as you know in VR, is very adept to buy into whatever it's doing. It's like, okay, fine, this is my new reality now. I'm just, I'm now a cartoon character.
4: Yeah, if if you do it right. If you you do it right, and you build your, like, I talked about world build, and your avatar has to fit there, and you have to be very careful to give them every freedom to buy into it, and if you do it right, they'll buy into it in an instant. That's, and that's
1: so cool. And I, I think the mirror is such a simple, effective yeah. way to do it because in a weird way, you don't think about it, but that's how you identify with your own body yeah. because otherwise you would never see your own face yeah. unless you looked into the mirror. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's just. A, anyways, yeah. n- now I'm just nerding out. Um, <laughs> I'm with you. No, but actually, I was gonna ask this later, but now I'm kind of we're we're there. Um, do you ever see yourself? Because with these human avatars and these like, you know generated worlds, do you ever see Dreamscape programming in actors as performers in these spaces? And the story you want to tell right now. I'm kind of curious.
4: Um, were you talking about NPCs or well, well, I mean, a little bit more like interacting with them? More
1: kind of like have you seen Change? I was just gonna say just like Change.
4: Yeah. We are not, that's not the road we're going down. We are putting in NPCs in some future product. Um, Again, darn, I wish I could tell you about it. But we're we're making a couple different ones, and they do have multiple characters around. And one of them that we actually have learned a lot about was our NPCs weren't acknowledging our existence enough. So we had gone back in and changed that because we're like, if you're going to put a character in the story... It better know that you are there too. Mm-hmm. You can't just pass by and they, they, you can't not exist because then suddenly you're passive. Suddenly you're not you're not part of the story. You're not the main person. So, we act, we put in additional characters. We don't think we'll ever do an actual actor. Um, the business side of it's terrible. Yeah, I mean really terrible. And so and then. Remember, we're going to open these up across America and across the world, and we have great operations training. But Bob in Oklahoma might not care enough about being the right actor. So you would have to train all the Bobs in the world to make sure they all perform exactly how you want them to perform. So yeah. it's, um, you know, a little bit of quality control out there too. Yeah.
1: yeah. Interesting. I mean, I guess that kind of goes on to now to my next question, which is the business side of things. Yeah. Um, so you guys don't do any in-home at all right now. Right. Um, do you see that as potential, as a potential revenue source in the future? I mean, okay. do, you think, like, do you think the in-home market will ever get to the point where you guys need it to yeah. be to be successful?
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, let's let's do it. Let's talk business and let's be real about yeah. it. Um, there's a lot of talk about VR yeah viability in the business in a business sense LBEs to date are, are struggling a little bit some of them are doing really good I mean void everybody knows about the void that's great but it's still a struggle and a challenge to figure out how to make sure your LBE is successful I think it's all about throughput if you if you want to make money you got to put a lot of bodies through so you got to really consciously think about throughput and how many you can put through without cheapening the experience you have to make it accessible to people, and you have to make it something so unique that they can't stop talking about it when they leave because word of mouth is what's going to grow this business. Mm-hmm. The at-home, absolutely. We want we want to push to home. Um, that's in all of our plans in the future. We'll push to home. Right now, we just aren't doing it. We are in talks about it, and we will eventually – we'd love all these products to push to home. We have a lot going on this year with opening up so many stores. It's um, – it's bonkers to actually to be both the content creator and the exhibitor is kind of one of the crazier plans ever but it's good i mean it's it's a successful business plan so that's the good part but there's also additional verticals Um, like i said in my talk uh entertainment's low-hanging fruit it's easy we can make that because people know what that is you can entice people with it there's a lot of other uses for vr that i think are going to grow and we are not saying we won't do those i mean we're actually looking into there's training, there's therapeutic uses, there's all kinds of things that will socialize the public more to VR probably than entertainment because you'll go to the Sprint store. I saw one. When you go to the Sprint store and, and you put on a headset and they train you what to do if a, if a person comes as you're opening up with a gunpoint. By the way, I would have been dead three times. I, <laughs> I seriously should not work at Sprint. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, but it was really interesting. And that's how they're training their employees because they can't really put a guy in a gun with a gun there. So they, they could only talk him through it, but they could do a VR version of it. And then you make choices in the VR and you learn, your employees learn. So I think a lot more people are going to get socialized VR through things like that, which will then in turn grow the home business because people will go, oh, I get it now. I get what this VR thing is. And it's not this alien thing you're putting on your head. Does that make
1: sense? No, it makes a lot of sense. And it can, no. I, I, no, no, oh, no, 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 it makes a lot of sense. I'm trying to think about what to what to really dive into there because you you hit a lot of things there. There's like LBE is hard, yep. and now so just let's start with that. Okay. So so LBE is hard not because of you know opening up a storefront this and that. It's just a matter of I mean you, you guys aren't struggling. It's just it's just, ma- it's just a matter of getting the throughput through. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Yeah. LB, it, again, throughput. So we we put six people in at a time, but we have a gear up A, and we yeah. just lit up our gear up B. We actually can put six people in, gear them up, put them in the experience. While they're in the experience, you're gearing up group B. The group A walks out their door, group B walks in their door. So you are constantly utilizing the theater, the stage. So there's very little downtime on the stage, but you can move people in and out. So you get 12 people through in a half an hour. Yeah. And that's brilliant. Now, you're, now your throughput's even better. Um, right now, we're really happy with the utilization that we're getting at our storefront. It's honeymoon phase. We know that. But it's great because we didn't anticipate this many guests. So that means word of mouth is getting out there. We're getting repeat business. And a really boring fact, we get p- average about 2.6 tickets sold per transaction, which means families are coming in. Yeah, that's a, That, that number says, I'm not on a date. It says, I'm bringing more than one person with me. So it's we're looking at that. We're looking that we're getting that 30 to 40 group plus younger groups. Again, families. And that's critical for us because that's who you want to hit. Disposable income in the parents wanting to do something with their children that's not isolating and bonding. And so we're, we're hitting those marks. That's why we're staying family friendly with our content for now. Eventually, we'll do some night shows that will probably be a little more like horror or some adult, you know, a more adult Content, whatever, yeah. but while we're branding ourselves and telling everyone who we are, we really want to do four quadrant. We want to stay family friendly.
1: Well, and also, I mean, I think now that I figured it out where we're going. Um, yeah, no, 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 but no, but um, I'm thinking of it now because you know the thing about Los Angeles is there's very few long running immersive experiences yes. that are in Los Angeles. Yes. You know, I mean, like for New York, you have Sleep No More, yes. you have Then She Fell, you have things that last all year. Yes. DreamScape is one of the very few that actually you guys are attempting to run all year, you know, and oh, yeah. and, 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 and you guys will. Yeah. Um, and so have you guys found an issue with your marketing in order to market to non-immersive people? Or like, like like? can you think a little bit about your marketing plan and how you're yeah. trying to appeal to the masses yeah. that's just beyond what's happening in these IDS walls?
4: Yeah. Um, no, marketing is the biggest challenge. I feel sorry for our global head of marketing. He is the hardest job, I think. because. It's a challenge just from a practical standpoint. Getting assets to utilize in marketing already is a challenge. Pulling out video of VR, you can capture VR, what someone's seeing. It's never looking that great. People don't hold their heads really still. So it's a real shaky video. The quality level when you pull it out of VR looks worse than when you're actually in there. So you got to up-res the fidelity and you have to go in. and. So he he has a hard, hard job because I marketed, I produced films and it was really easy. I'd give you a... 50 clips and let you go market the daylights out of it right it's easy um telling in other
1: words the content speaks for itself yeah yeah
4: yeah yeah. and we're telling you you're gonna go into a story like you've never seen or heard before (laughs) we just told you we have having a problem you know right there that's a challenge in marketing if you've never seen it you don't know what you're doing it's brand new to you it's your wow factor but it's our challenge to convince you to let us do this to you so we We do use social media a lot we we have a lot of influencers we use a lot of that because word of mouth is truly our best friend on this one showing people the story it's hard it's a flat version of what a real immersive moment is so all you're ever going to get is a flat version to show you when we're saying to you no 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 you're in this world and so we will forever challenge ourselves with how best to market these how to tell people this isn't your phone on a headset. This is not the cardboard, you know, VR. That's what people know. And people also confuse the word VR for multiple things. 360 videos, they're totally different than what normal VR is. And so they it gets confused. The, the word VR, we like to laugh and, you know, dumb joke is we call it Kleenex t- versus tissue. It's the same, everybody's using the words. <laughs> VR, AR, XR, MR, RRR, and they're using it so loosely it's kind of comical. So, educating the public about what we're doing and trying to get them excited is a challenge.
1: Yeah, and I think that's kind of something we all are encountering here, even yeah. with immersive. Immersive yeah. is the thing that's becoming the buzzword for even like tech, tech expos. Oh, it's like,
4: oh, it's like the, the there immer- was the immersive toilet at CES. Exactly. It's I don't ever want my toilet to be immersive. <laughs> no, and
1: it means absolutely nothing some days. Yeah. <laughs> No, but anyways, I I th- yeah. think we are running out of time though. Okay. So I so if it's alright with you what we're, we're going to call for today because yep. we could we could talk about this for hours. I could talk for
0: hours absolutely. Yeah.
1: No, because you're living in it quite yeah, literally. Um but yeah, so that's it. So I'm here with, with with Jennifer Cook. Thank you so much for for joining Woo. us for these Thank few you. what do we have? 14 minutes. Woo, that's I know, that nice. That's pretty good. Yeah, that went fast. Yeah. Okay. And uh so uh, yeah. So we'll see you guys with our next guest uh very soon. Thank you all.
0: Once again, I want to thank everyone who made today's show possible. So that would be our guests, Jenny Cook, Free Forge and Dam. It would also be KJ Neese and Michaela Holland for filling in in the host duties. Uh, it, it, putting on events is a lot of work. And uh, the nice thing about putting on this event is it gives me appreciation for everyone who does the work all the time. Um uh, Just how many things can go wrong, how many things can go right. Um, (laughs) But it's um, it's it's always good to have a great team backing you up. And I'm very fortunate here at NoPro that so many people uh, put in the time and the effort gratis um speaking of which there's a bunch of folks who have volunteered to step up and become part of the review crew um if we wind up using them all we'll have a veritable army uh and the one thing holding us back right now is me uh i have zero bandwidth so um we are gonna get to going through seriously all the people who volunteered out and start trying folks out Um, as this month continues, uh, the spreadsheet keeps on being built and we're gonna be contacting you back. So if you're someone who has answered the call, (laughs) just know we are not ignoring you at all. I just happen to be involved in the middle of a bunch of crazy logistics. Not only are we wrapping IDS, uh, on the financial side and, and a few uh, business-dealing things. Um, I'm moving my mother from the Bay Area to Los Angeles. Uh, I'm doing this mostly single-handedly, so a lot of this week was building Ikea furniture and putting up curtains. Um, putting up curtains is not fun. Uh, putting up curtains is the devil. Um, I, I, I don't ever want to do that ever again in my life. Um, also, uh, if anyone knows... <laughs> Best way to spackle holes. Please tell me. Uh, <laughs> I wish I was kidding. I'm not. So, yeah, um, it's been totally crazy um, because two very large uh, projects back to back. And uh, we're squeezing everything in that we can. Um, there is a bunch of stuff going on. There are tons of shows opening up. The team is at South by Southwest right now uh, checking things out. I'm not there with them. I'm too tired to be jealous. Otherwise, I'd be jealous. Um, there's also the whole like giving blood thing, which freaks me out. But, you know, hey, uh, anything for a tchotchke, particularly a Hand of the King pin, which apparently is what is being given out. Like, I probably would have given blood. See, Red Cross? You just got to put that in more places. Oh, no. Oh, no, they're going to turd that thing, aren't they? Anyway, um, I probably just talked myself into giving blood, um, which is a good thing. You should do it. We should all do it. I should probably do it regardless of whether it's a toy or not. Um, But I am very toy motivated. I am food and toy motivated. As if I was a cat. (gasps) My kitties. Anyway, uh, the next episode that you hear may very well guest star my cat because my cat is coming to join me too. Um, Yeah, this is the Mark Maron section of the show, so why not? Um, Yeah, look, uh, massive life changes are underfoot. Uh, I've cut back to three quarters time at the day job so that I can dedicate uh, both time to all of this and also uh, helping out my mom. So um, God's willing, what this means is that I get to have a lot more focus on the big picture stuff. Um, And even though I'm going to have some duties vis-a-vis mi madre, Uh, she will literally be next door. So uh, that becomes (laughs) a lot easier to deal with than this past year where she's been up in the Bay Area and I've been here in Los Angeles and trying to manage things by remote and going up every month uh, to adjust things. So uh, what I hope that means for all of us, for all of you, is that I get to be a lot more present. We're also in the process of already planning the next signature event um, for 2020. And there's a lot being rearranged uh, as we, we take a look at the feedback, take a look at the growth opportunities, uh, and take a look at some of the core fundamentals of what we've been doing and say, hey, what could work better? Uh, let's iterate on this. Um, and there's a few other things in the works. Um, and Leia's moving forward. Everything's moving forward. And I'm just holding on to dear life. And if you have any lucky numbers, please send them my way because the lotto is pretty big right now. Um, LAUGHTER no, but seriously, some of your lucky numbers. All right, I should get out of here. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's show. I'm looking forward to seeing what everyone thinks about it, and looking forward to getting uh, an irregular out to everyone very, very soon. Um, let's do the credits. The music for No Proscenium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The sustaining backers of No Persinium are Jan Budman, who I got to see last night, Lonnie on Ari Hurstan, Mark Balthazar, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. Thank you all. You can find us at nopersinium.com. We're also at nopersinium on Twitter and Facebook. We're at no underscore persinium on Instagram. Check it out right now because the team is at South by and that's where all the fun is happening. And yeah, this is the podcast. You're listening to it. You know how to find it, I guess. That's it. Those are the credits. That's how it goes. Oh, what's that thing I say? Oh, right. Until next time, I'll see you at the show.